Welcome to Turning Little Stones, the podcast that takes a fresh look at the fascinating world of young children. As a parent, experienced child care professional, and early years consultant, I get how much we dream good things for our children. We start out hopeful and confident, and yet somehow the daily reality can feel more like a grind than a gift. And so we easily miss out on the joys of these fleeting early years. Over time, I've come to realize that to give our children the best start in life, we first need to recognize what's going on inside them, in secret. There is some great research out there, and my heart is to make some of this relatable for everyone. And so, throughout these weekly podcasts, I hope that whoever you are, parent, family carer, childminder, practitioner, anyone who spends time with young children can take a moment each week to reinterpret what our children are doing and why. And by doing so, I have seen countless exasperated, bewildered, exhausted carers become re-energized and inspired as they find easy ways to connect with what their young children are naturally eager to do. A little like turning over a pebble in a rock pool to discover a hidden world tucked away. We too will look at our children with fresh eyes and delight in being part of their journey. Welcome back to Turning Little Stones. Today I'm joined by a friend, actually, uh, somebody we've known each other for years and years and years, but we have lost contact with one another. Her name is Gillian, and we had fun when we were bringing up our children in the same area, and uh, we shared a lot of childcare stories with one another back then. And then I, I rediscovered we reconnected with one another last year, and uh, Gillian is now a grandmother, a granny, um, with two little ones, and she is a grandparent carer. So I asked her to join us, really, to share some of her experiences of what it's like to be granny to her daughter's two children. Gillian, would you like to tell me a little bit about family? Yes, um... Uh, well, I have a, a son and a daughter, but it's my uh, daughter that's married and um, has the, 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 two the two children. Um, so I have two grandchildren, Amelie, who's three, and Louis, who is almost ten months. Wow. <laughs> and we remember ours at that age. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm fair, you know, relatively new to grandparenting compared yeah. to, um, you know, other people. And um, I do think being a grandparent is very, very exciting. I think some grandparents are a little bit over the top, you know. They talk about their grandchildren as no one else had ever had any grandchildren and they show you photos of the grandchildren whether you want to see them or not. <laughs> that is me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just got so excited about being a grandparent, even more than I thought for, thought I would. Yeah. Um, yeah, and obviously everybody's um, experience of grandparenting is different. Um, you know, according to what the family's like, what their um, distance is like from their grandchildren, and what other commitments they that they have. You know, that might. Uh, prevent them having so much to do with their grandchildren um but i'm quite privileged um now because i have retired from work and my grandchildren are about 20 minutes drive away 
and so that makes things you know a, a lot a lot easier yeah yeah and that's one thing we really wanted to I suppose emphasize in the podcast and to all our listeners that actually this is one person's story family is all families are unique um um, but what I really love about you, Gillian, is how reflective you are, how you work things out, you anticipate how things might be, and then you'll review things and, and work out what's, what's going to work, what isn't going to work. And I know you told me that even before your daughter was in a... a, a a long-term relationship and before even children were <laughs> on the scene, you'd kind of worked out what sort of grandparent you might like to be. Uh, well, yes, to some extent. I, I had um, friends who'd gone ahead of me in the, the grandparenting uh, experience and um, I think grandparenting is... Um, it's got very important from the point of um, childcare, perhaps more than it was in the past um, when Caroline and I had our, our little children, and um, it was much more common for for mums to to be at home. And grandparents have a a, a huge and wonderful role in uh, ch childcare um, with, with parents working. Um, but also, um, I, I was seeing from friends. Um, how much time and energy um, this was uh, taking. So um, it's probably really a little bit tongue-in-cheek that um, because obviously you're going to do whatever the circumstance, whatever's needed in the circumstances. But I did remember having a conversation with Claire before children were even on the cards that I think, you know, if you, you have um, children and you're needing childcare, I'll give you uh, one day a week. And obviously I was saying this bearing in mind, you know, I've got a son as well, so you know I could double that and I just felt you know that would give me you know <laughs> plenty of other time as well and it was a little bit tongue-in-cheek but also um I could see that sometimes it could become a little bit of a strain for some people at some points and um, when um they were needing to do a, lo a lot of uh child care so uh, that that's where that, that came from and then the circumstances were such that that was realistic and we were able to actually put that into practice when Claire went back to work after maternity leave. Um, I just think yeah. there's a real wisdom in that. You know, so all of us can look sideways of what other families are doing and maybe families that are similar to our own. Um, and we can kind of look at what works, what doesn't work so well, and maybe even notice the resenting. I mean, as a, as a manager and a practitioner I saw a lot of grandparent carers and some of them did a huge amount of caring and you could sometimes tell some of the weariness and the I don't know whether it's resentment is too big a word but it wasn't the joy and the delight that I know you have with the time that you spend with it being roughly one day a week, you know, you are, you must look forward to that. You're ready for it. You're prepared. You're anticipating it. It's not too much. And I think yeah, probably resentment um, is often 
not exactly the case, but I, I can remember one friend mentioning to me that when she was having to look after a grandchild um, a huge amount, she felt um, she had to do more of the discipline than she would have if she was seeing the, the child for, for, for less time. Mm. Um, that kind of thing, because the relationship just has to be a bit different. But having said that, I know grandparents who look after grandchildren a lot have just said, um, and it may be um, they've got quite a few grandchildren, but and they won't have looked after every one of them for a lot, but for the ones they have, that that makes their relationship with that one, you know, more special in one sense, because mm. they, they both know each other better. Wow. Yeah. Yes, and if things go wrong or, you know, there's ill health somewhere and you need to step in and do more than your one day, the children won't mind that because they're... It's home from home. Yeah, just that I don't really just count the hours and say it's one day. We obviously no, no, do no. other occasional <laughs> looking after and babysitting and things like that. It's just that that regular um, commitment. Yes, yeah. No, I think that's really wise. Really, really wise. Yeah. Another thing that I'm, I've become really aware of and really respect you and Claire so much in this is I know Claire has done a reasonable amount of research as the sort of parent she wants to be or she and her husband want to be to their little ones and she's read some books and she's found some styles of parenting that she would like to follow or she would like to bring into her parenting style um, which is great absolutely great and you have followed that so you have taken the trouble to watch videos read books to to understand what she's after and to be part of that. I love that. You know, some some grandparents going, oh, it wasn't like that in our day. That's not what we used to do. <laughs> but you're you're going with it. You're you're respecting Claire's wishes. Yeah. Well, first of all, to say I do say an awful lot of we didn't do it like that in our day. <laughs> De definitely. Um, and. Um, but I've have I found it quite interesting to look at all the resources that are available for parents now, um, because they're parenting in a different world to when Carol and I, Caroline and I had our our little children. Um, their their lives are different, the world's different, and the resources that they have to um, watch and read are, are, are so different. So it's been really interesting to um, to look at all that, and. Um, so I haven't read loads of books, but I, I've dipped into things, watched a few things, and I'll uh, I'll ask Claire. So you know, what what does what does that book say about you do about this or, or whatever, and, and find out her her take on it. And um, you know, obviously you do need to be selective, don't you, on the internet about what you're you're, you're looking at. Um, um, but I've, uh, really, all the things that I've I've looked at that Claire looks at. You know, we, we we do see eye, eye to eye on, on things, and um, I've really enjoyed it. And um, you know, it's really helped me. And I think um, if I look back to when we were parents, we were we were probably brought up in the um, 
the tail end from our own parents, perhaps, obviously varies from person to person, with these sort of children seen and not heard, not quite like that, but a little bit of that and about not spoiling children and there would be a certain way that you were supposed to treat your children or speak to your children, otherwise you might spoil them. And we might have been brought up on the tail end of that, probably rejected quite a lot of it. Yeah, hopefully. Um, <laughs> but we didn't, we didn't have all the resources out there now to give you all alternative ways of speaking to children and dealing w- with them. I'm sure we worked out plenty for ourselves that were, you know... Uh, humouring our children to cooperate when it, when it wasn't wasn't easy, um, but there's so much um, out there now that that we can um, find out other people's ideas of what works and doesn't work for them, and um, and it's always trial trial and error for a lot of things with, with children, but lots of things that can make your parenting actually loads more more fun, yeah. of rather than telling children what not to do. You just don't, don't bother about saying what not to do. Say what to do in, instead, you know, rather than, you know, telling them not to climb, just to say, you know, oh, keep your feet on the floor or just little things that change the atmosphere and make it more, more fun. And I've enjoyed reading about things like that because I've realised that all kinds of things just automatically trip off my tongue when I'm with a child, yes. <laughs> that I don't mean to be negative at all, but there still would be a more positive way of, yes. of doing it. Yeah, and that feeds into you know, some other podcasts that we've been doing. You know, that if you tell a child not to do something, of course, that thought has landed in their brain. So they're more likely to do it just because you've mentioned it. So, um, yeah, and you were talking about that gentle parenting, the positive language, um, the style, and, and I know that we we often return to that in the podcasts. It's such an important um, an important subject. You also talked about praise. Um, I remember, I remember, and you were talking about you, you know some older parenting um, when we were little. Um, and I'm the product of a much older parent, so my mother was probably a generation behind, so she was very definitely of this school that you did not praise children. And actually, when our children were little, that had changed quite a lot. You, you were to praise them, but actually now we've been learning... And we really know there's a lot of research to say that just empty praise is meaningless and it actually doesn't doesn't do anything. And you were talking yeah, about that. Yeah, that was that. a re- re- that was a revelation to me. That um, and I have to say that sometimes I've thought I got a little bit resentful. Oh, do I really have to think about every word that I say? You know, because you know you just say well done if you want to, don't you? Um, but uh, but I actually read about you know there's research that showed when children were specifically um, told, uh, you know, if they'd drawn a picture or whatever it was they'd done, instead of saying well done, you said, oh, I see you've done some beautiful colours there, or I saw how you were jumping there, and actually just say what you're seeing. Yeah. Um, that it has a lot more uh, of a beneficial impact on them. And that's actually quite easy to do once once you know. But I, w- but I wasn't doing that until I'd actually um, read about that, that research. Or heard about it on yeah. a podcast, yeah. maybe. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. One of the, the, one of the things we used to encourage staff and others to say 
if they saw something they couldn't think of the words quickly enough, they would say something like, oh, you must be so pleased with that. And of course, our voice tells them that we are pleased, but the message that they're receiving is that they should be pleased with it for their own sake. Um, and I love that. Yeah, it feeds that. I'm not doing this for anybody. I'm not doing it for a teacher or for mummy or for anybody. I'm doing it because it's a good thing to be doing and I'm pleased with what I've done. Yeah. You said you got the wrong end of the stick. Yes, I think when I was first hearing about this gentle parenting, I was... Um, a little wary of it, thinking, is this the sort of thing where it just means the, the child is in, in charge? And I'm thinking, you know, not really sure about this. Um, and th so that's one of the, the reasons for looking into it a, a, a bit more yeah. um, to find out what, what it really meant. And I think there are different sort of versions and interpretations of yeah. gentle parenting, but the kind of thing that Claire had been looking at and was sharing with me, um, you know, I had got the wrong in a stick. It wasn't about the child being in charge, but just uh, of, um, you know, you have to have boundaries, uh, which are difficult for little children, and to help them know the boundaries and keep within the boundaries, there are more gentle ways of doing, some ways are more gentle than, than others. Um, uh, we were parented, Caroline, perhaps in a slightly different way, um, and then we parented differently. There was a uh, you know, there used to be the children are seen and not heard. We weren't quite back in that generation, but the, perhaps the tail end of it when we were being brought up and we rejected a lot of it and were trying to do things in a more gentle way. Um, but still, I think there was a little bit of a, a thing that you didn't spoil your children, perhaps, and um, we were a bit pulled that... Well, I can't speak for anybody else, but sometimes pulled in that direction a, a, a little bit. Um, and And... We didn't have so much research and information out there yeah. and there's so much out there now for people to look at to yeah. help with finding you know gentler ways to to do things yeah. so it's been really good to that work yeah. actually when you yeah. understand why these why these techniques work um and the the theory behind it then they are going to work more more consistently than at other times absolutely so, yeah, I suppose you and I both feel some regret about some of the things that we didn't do as parents and, and well, I guess that's true for every parent. Mm, yes, I mean, you can only aspire to be as good a parent as you can. I was just thinking about the resources out there. I, we, we, if we had resources, it was mainly perhaps a, the odd book or two on the shelf. I did have yeah. one. I remember now that it's called um, How Not To Be A Perfect Mother. <laughs> And I think regardless of anything that was in the book, the title just <laughs> says a, a lot because you do, you can tend to expect a, a lot of yourself. And then when you're in the position, you know, like I am now, looking at um, all this wonderful information about doing good parenting and thinking, mm, I think a lot of the time I might have been doing it wrong. <laughs> and um, having conversations with uh, Claire about this is quite interesting. And she um, very graciously said, said to me about how... Um, uh, we were talking about apologising. Obviously, you're not going to do it right all the time, but how it makes such a difference if you apologise. And she um, could recall 
something very vivid in her child's memories of when uh, I had not, I'd been less than a perfect parent, <laughs> but apologised to her. And it was an incident that I had no recollection about at all, but it really stood out in her memory because of the apology. And so she actually remembered it in a positive light, which is quite reassuring because hopefully there would have been other times when I'd apologised to my children uh, as well. And, um, you know, that's an important part of, you know, parenting, that you're obviously not going to do things right all the time. We're all human. And the difference an apology can make to a child and that, you know, you can still remember when you're an adult. So that's quite encouraging. That's lovely. And you modelled what sorry meant to a child quite often we demand our ch child to say sorry but you that that whole incident would have modeled something quite special to to her thank yeah. you yeah i'm sure there are probably some times when i didn't apologize when i should have as well but you know at least she was pointing out that positive one that she remembered thank yeah. you thank you and of course i guess the other thing is social change I and mean, we can't get to go into all of it but you know there are some the world is very different for young families now, not least how most people would be having to go back to work just to make ends meet. It's very, very tough for families financially, as, as everybody knows. There's an affordability of childcare, which we all know as well. So there are those, those elements that um, we didn't have to perhaps confront in the same way. Mm. Yes, yeah. Um, the, the options for us were a, a bit different. There wasn't so much um, nursery provision and also it was perhaps... Um, there were still plenty of people who, who did... Who, mothers who, who did work. Yeah. Um, but fewer. So our, our children had playgroups, but they didn't have the nursery provision, so... There wasn't um, all that full daycare. No, no, no. 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 Um, it was much, much shorter yeah. hours. Um, so when um, Amelie was approaching going to nursery, um, I, in my head, thought it was fine, but actually inside I started thinking, oh, she's so young and it's going to be such a long day at nursery and I was, um, you know, a little bit sad for her having to go after nursery, but it turned out to be the most wonderful experience for her she she just you know settled in quite quickly absolutely loved it and nurseries these days communicate with the parents about what their children are doing during yeah. the day and Claire would send sometimes she sends me pictures of interesting things that Emily's doing um if she can't go to nursery because she's poorly she misses it and um you know it is a really you know positive part part of her her life so uh, I didn't need to have any sort of uh, concerns about it, yes. really. Yes. And and had you not been you, <laughs> you could have maybe been tempted to say those, say speak out those anxieties, um, which of course isn't very helpful to the parents. Um, so so that that I think is a big. A big part of grandparenting that I, I've seen where, where it's obvious, grandparents have made it perfectly obvious that they don't think it's right that their little baby grandchild is, is in a daycare setting, no matter if it's a really good one and they are loved and cared for very well. Um, yeah, 
I think there's there's something about that dynamic. And then there are good things, aren't there? There's the, I don't know, all the video calls for those those grandparents who live some distance away, for example. Or... Yeah, I mean, um, we don't live a distance away, but still video calls are, have, uh, you know, been a lovely feature. Yeah. Um, obviously, we had a period of lockdown where they were our main way of <laughs> um, yeah. communicating. But I've just been amazed at how um, little children are really good with them, video calls. And it's a really good way to relate to them and keep up your relationships in between seeing them. Um, obviously, now we see them quite regularly, but still sometimes you have a, a video call. Um, once family started moving about, um, Claire found that tea time was quite good when she was in a high chair. And, um, you know, we, we could have a, a little uh, chat then. Obviously, mostly one-sided, the, the chat. <laughs> <laughs> and you did uh, bedtime did you say you didn't the old I bedtime think I did story occasional yeah. story and i uh, i had a, a a little brown hair toy that i often use on videos in, in lockdown little brown hair would be there to say hello to amelie and um, then when i was doing the regular childcare little brown hair was the the toy in her cot for when she had her, her nap so uh, she yeah. got used to uh, connecting him with with our house and uh, he, he was there when uh, she had her naps and that was you know because it was in lockdown through the video calls we were making those sort of uh, connections That's um, really yeah and those kind of things weren't there at all when um, we brought our children up was it no. no 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 absolutely and then there's the parent-grandparent difference. I'm going to call this ice cream and sprinkles. It will intrigue our listeners. <laughs> tell, tell us about well, ice well, cream I, I and sprinkles. I was very keen to be doing the right things, looking after Emily, following the same kind of things with her parents, with the things that she did and didn't do, and, um, you know, what foods and drinks she was having and everything and I'd be asking her about it and um and Claire was very permissive with me in this in that you know um, she can have things that she just does when she's at granny and granddad's house and, you know yeah. that that's okay I assume that she would probably put some boundaries on it, it would have to be yeah. within reason and um you know she recalled from her childhood that for example that um near their primary school there was a news agent where you could buy sweets where they didn't regularly go but when on the occasions, which wasn't that often that Granny was there, they'd go off to buy their sweets, and it was just accepted that's something you did with Granny. So she said, you know, it's fine if there's things she just does at your house. And one of the things was she liked to have ice cream, and then I bought some sprinkles one time, she had sprinkles on them. So that was it. She just always felt that at my house... <laughs> Dessert should be ice cream and sprinkles. And then because I'm a softer granny, I end up buying quite a lot of different sprinkles. But <laughs> it was too difficult for her to choose which sprinkles she wanted. She wanted all of them. <laughs> it was getting a bit out of hand. So uh, I found that it was best to put some of each sprinkles in a little bowl for her to then sprinkle on her ice cream rather than trying to shake each <laughs> each lot onto her ice cream and have a bowl full of it. Um, so that's uh, still a, a, a popular th thing now. Yeah, <laughs> sounds such fun. Uh, I think we're drawing to the end of this sort of first in our Family Matters podcast, hopefully. Um, I love what you've shared. And, of course, we've only just scratched the surface, really. I suppose, before we close, if I were just to ask you what advice you would give to parents and 
potential grandparent carers who are perhaps beginning this journey um, and beginning to take on these roles. Yes, we understand that each family is completely different and all you've done is shared uh, you, uh, stories from you and yours experience. We get that. But if there's a general piece of advice, what might that be? Well, I think things always um, go more smoothly if you um, have uh, looked at what your expectations are and um, and then see where if you can get conflict when they, they don't kind of meet. So I'd thought a bit uh, beforehand about what my expectations were and I guess, uh, you know, Claire and her husband had as well. Um, and... Um, it's good to communicate clearly, but I think as, as, as the, you know, the parents are the primary carers, aren't they? So as a, as a grandparent, you will have your expectations, but perhaps not it's necessarily expect them all, all to be met because it's really important to have good communications and, and see what may or may not be expected and, and, and just sort of respect each other's points of view and keep the communication going uh, as best you can. That is a brilliant brilliant message at the end you know that there is something called system theory and where that relates to family life it is how how the system will evolve and the ebb and flow things change and you the answer is respect and communication that's that's the bottom line that's how things will work so um yeah Absolutely wonderful. What are your hopes for your relationship with your grandchildren going on into the future? Well, I'm hoping to have opportunities to keep the relationships going. Obviously, it'll be uh, nice if, if we stay where we're not too far apart geographically and we'll have to adjust to changes as they, they grow up. And, you know, at school, it won't be the regular childcare in the same way, but maybe more activities in the school holidays and, and things like that. And, uh, yeah, just hope to keep the relationships going. I'm sure they will. Uh, and I just thank you again for sharing so honestly your story. And I know that it will be a valuable listen to many, many, many. So thank you again. Thank you. It just leaves me to say thank you for listening to this episode of Turning Little Stones. We hope it's given you some food for thought and maybe some ideas to try. As always, you'll find the show notes for this episode, together with further information, episodes and resources, by heading over to our website, www.turninglittlestones.com. So until next time, goodbye. Goodbye.